Hello and welcome to the AB Forums podcast for Wednesday the 8th of April 2015 and joining me on this edition are assistant editor Steve Withers. I'm not negative, I'm just positive we're going to mess this up. I felt that Steve, I really did. That was superb acting. News editor Mark Hodgkinson. You only live once, let's do this. <laughs> Real conviction there. And audio reviewer Ed Selly. I'll buy you a lifetime supply of antidepressants. Well, uh, welcome back to the podcast. We've just had uh, Easter weekend. Well, did you guys get up to anything exciting? Ed, I noticed you were at a little chef. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was on the way back from seeing my, seeing my parents. And do you know what? Actually, you know, I meant what I said. They served some awesome chips. Um, is this and a then, Heston Blumenthal, Mr. Chef? Or? No, it doesn't seem to be. This is an old pattern one. Just had a real chip enthusiast in the kitchen. Um <laughs> And then yesterday, and one in front of the kitchen too, by the sounds of it. Yesterday, unbridled excitement of taking my son to the uh, Thomas the Tank Engine experience at the Buckinghamshire Railway Centre. Um, lots of very excited children there. Uh, perhaps far too many very excited children there. But no, it was all all perfectly pleasant. It was. I don't know about you guys. It's first bank holiday, East Bank holiday. I can remember in years where I didn't need scuba gear to enjoy it. It was, you know, most most unusually sunny and pleasant. Yes, I've got, yep. to say, got to say the light was absolutely fantastic on Sunday up in Scotland. And uh, glad I had the camera with me. It was, uh, yeah, it was absolutely stunning. I spent yesterday in the High Peaks on my cousin's farm, which was a proper working farm with a thousand was, sheep. Was that lambing? Lambing, yeah, lambing. They're, they're, they're hill farmers, so they do it a bit later, but there were a few lambs knocking about. Uh, in fact, there'll be an awful lot when they are properly lambing because they've got a thousand, a thousand breeding sheep. So, uh, yeah, it was spectacular up there, absolutely gorgeous. Wish I took the camera, really, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah, but you, you'll have taken a lamb home to have for you. For, uh, no, yeah, we'll get one in October. All right, okay. One October. All right, okay. Steve? A whole lamb. Um, not much, really. Uh, I spent most of it watching. I've been. Ill all weekend, so I've been Aww. watching Game of Thrones. Season 4 on Blu-ray, projected, which looked great. Ready for Season 5, which kicks off um, on front Monday, actually, on yeah. Monday. Um, and yesterday, with the weather was nice, went to pub, pub garden for a, a bit of lunch, which was quite nice. Sat in the garden a bit, which is quite pleasant. Watched the cat you know, camp around and... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and and learn to hunt um, well bees mainly so far. She seems to be working her <laughs> way up from in like you know spiders and uh, and wood lice. Uh, you know, best my cat can manage is a leaf. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best thing it's ever caught. I used to have a male cat, and he used to bring birds and mice and all sorts of gifts in, which was nice. Yeah, it's, it's when they don't kill them. Actually, that's actually more of a problem, and you end up with a live, normally slightly panicky animal loose in your house that's always great fun i had to slaughter a thrush on that basis <laughs> <laughs> no, i had two kids and my wife screams got a phobia of birds screaming upstairs in the bed in the bedroom and i just couldn't coax it out so i had to hit it with something <laughs> <laughs> and i take no pride in it you wish you had an arse now don't you phil yeah <laughs> yeah <Let's> move on <laughs> yeah let's move on and uh, let's see what we can win this month who am i going to pick uh let's go steve Right, well, uh, actually, it's pretty much the same as last week, uh, I think, except for one edition. So we've got The Necessary Death of Charlie Countryman on Blu-ray. We've got three copies of that available. Not a bad movie. I reviewed it. quite enjoyed it. A bit derivative, but um, very good picture and sound. So if you're into your AV, that could be a good win. Three copies of that. The competition ends on the 13th of April, so you've still got a bit of time for that one. Another week to go. The Soundmagic P30S headphones. Two pairs of those available, which Ed reviewed, so they're superb for the money. Um, and that competition runs until the 20th of April. There's the Coen Brothers Blu-ray box set. Not necessarily a lot of classic Coen in there, but um, some interesting movies nonetheless, things like The Big Lebowski and Tolerable Cruelty. 
Um, and that's uh, around, going until 26th of April, so plenty of time on that one yet. And then there's Paddington Blu-ray, uh, which I reviewed, I think it was last week. Uh, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, great movie, great picture and sound, um, really good Blu-ray set. Um, great prize, actually. Uh, if you win that one, I think you'll be chuffed. Uh, not just you, but the kids, obviously, as well, if you've got them. 30th of April, that one runs till, so you've got a bit of time there. And on the same day, 30th of April, the competition ends for the Dali Cubic One stereo system, which is also apparently very good. Uh, right, let's move on. Uh, let's go to some hardware news. And Sony, who are uh, popular on the forums for their TV lineup, uh, their new 2015 lineup pricing and availability has been announced. Mark? Well, most of it has. I noticed on reviewing this for the podcast that they haven't actually released the details of the uh, S9 range, which is the curved stuff. But it's some pretty headline grabbing prices. So you can pick up the uh, what will be the top of the range when released in May at the time x85c uh starting at 1800 for the 55 inch um 65 inch 2700 and the 75 inch four and a half grand which if you think back a couple of years ago it's, that's, that's quite spectacular pricing you can even get a 75 inch full hd from the w85 range which is uh the, the top of the range full hd um you can get the 75 inch for 2500 pounds that is ridiculous i know yeah, that's uh, that. That was the price that really made me think. Oh my god! And this is obviously, you know, they're not a budget manufacturer, and these are good-looking TVs, very highly specced, and seventy-five inches. For yeah, but, but then it's seventy-five inches to cover with with light. Yeah, are these full array backlights or edge lid. I can't remember. I didn't detail that in in, in this release. Uh, yeah, you see, it sounds a lot like you know, great pricing. Don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking that, but uh, you know, you got to ask questions. Are they ten-bit panels? What's the color space? Uh, is it HDR capable? I think the answer to a lot of the questions is no. Well, these are the full H- this is the full HD one we're talking about. So no, no 4K in there at all. No, the 4K one was four and a half thousand, which yeah, wasn't yeah, quite as star- startling. But that's still quite cheap for a TV now size, though, isn't it? Uh, and, and then we've we've just got the uh, W8 series, which start at eight hundred pound for the forty-three inch, and go up to a thousand, which is a bit a bit more routine, to be quite honest. Um, and these will launch in May, and hopefully the Android TV platform will be ready then. And you view. Mm. Probably not. not. What, I know. Hope well, not f- what Philips was saying it doesn't sound like it will be, but uh. no. So maybe they'll be releasing it without, which which would be I don't know, perhaps a bit of a risk. And new views to follow some indeterminate time in the summer. Um, so they've probably got a bit of a job on their hands uh, marrying these two smart platforms together. Um, so yeah, we should start seeing these in May. Okay, thanks for that, Mark. So uh, that's a Sony lineup with some prices just announced and availability. All looks good. Seventy-five inches. It'll be interesting to see the backlight before uh, before uh, making anything on that. Uh, we're getting this in for review, Steve, or not? I could I could probably fit it in if they want to send around a seventy-five inch TV, but uh, I think uh, we're more likely to get some of the more realistic screen sizes first. I suspect. I hope. But like, I can take up to eighty-five inches, no problem. I have. <laughs> <laughs> Out of context, that could sound very strange <laughs> and positively alarming. <laughs> and uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Um, we're at home. We want to watch Netflix or any other streaming service, um, but we're having problems because we want to watch it in the bedroom, and uh, we've only got the r- the router only goes as far as the living room. So, Ed, give me a solution. You have two, really. And there are pros and cons to both. And now I need to stress this is in my opinion, and there may that there you know depending on how you do this and what what sort of property you live in, you may find that your hand is forced in either direction. You can either look at a more potent main router uh, to boost 
the potency of your wireless signal um, and also improve the bandwidth and the number of streams that can be handled at any one time, so on and so forth. Um, this is the approach that I have done um, at least until recently. Uh, for long and complicated reasons, I'm actually back on my Sky router at the moment. Essentially, I was having some issues getting a stable high-res audio signal all the way upstairs. So I chopped in the old router and I went for a Netgear R9000. I'm not going to lie, uh, I went for it mainly because I've set up Netgear routers in the past and the R9000 actually looks pretty cool. I mean, that probably isn't how you should select a router, but it actually looks like it's made out of stealth bomber spares, which is pretty, you know, it was <laughs> game for a laugh. I found that with that in place, uh, I live in a three-bedroom terrace house, it's nothing particularly enormous, but I have total and complete coverage uh, from upstairs, all, all rooms, and uh, actually well into the garden. Uh, and that's perfectly capable of doing two Netflix streams at once, or Netflix and audio from NAS to, to streamer, so on and so forth. Now, if you live in an older property, or you live in a very large property, you may be better off looking at the Ethernet over mains devices that we review on a semi-regular basis as part of the hardware items. Uh, they There are a number of brands that, that produce them, and these use your home wiring to send internet signals to different corners of the house. There are some limitations to them. I have found in my other life as a technical support, I found that some of them have a tendency to bugger up IP addresses a bit. So control apps can occasionally go AWOL when using them. Then on a more esoteric level, if you are keen on your audio, um, introducing a huge amount of sort of network information into the mains, it's it's all additional noise. It does affect some bits of electronic uh, audio electronics. Uh, and especially if you're a lunatic and you're into turntables, phono stages, etc., where you've got... Oh, I wonder who that would be. Well, you know, we are out there in small but worrying numbers. That you do, I, it is, it is a, the case where items like that can prove, can can degrade audio performance. But you know, this is a slightly specialised item. Unless you live in a really big house, or you live in a house which is, you know, sort of listed several hundred years old, and you end up with really thick walls and other challenges. Honestly, you'd be amazed at the performance you can get out of a high spec router uh, running wirelessly these days, especially if you take some care to set it up. Have a look um, and see if you can find some free channel space with in regards to the networks around you. And more often than not, uh, you can stream uh, well. All, all of I mean, I I don't do any four K streaming at the moment. There there is that as a caveat, but nothing in terms of. Um, high def from any of the uh, subscription services, SkyGo or anything like that, has proved to be a challenge. And as I say, I can easily stream lossless and high-res audio at the same time and still have an argument with someone in, 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 in the general <laughs> chat forum. So it, it from about 150 quid and up, all of the usual rooster suspects are producing really, really top-notch products which are well and truly capable of supporting a, a house's worth of, of requirements. That would be where I'd start looking. But in other more specialised contexts, Ethernet over mains might be the way to go. Well, it's the way I had to go because I live in a 150-year-old... Well, it used to be a townhouse which has been de and developed and chopped. Uh, so it's like shops downstairs and I have the whole... Of the upstairs area but apart from two false walls to partition off um the rest of the walls are 12 inches thick um so the router in the living room wasn't reaching the cinema room or the bedroom at the back of the house so i've had to go um took me five minutes to set it up i was amazed at how 
how easy it was basically. Um, I'm looking at the plug I bought, the BT ones that I bought, BT500s, I think I paid 50 quid um, yeah. and I haven't had any issues with them whatsoever. And like I say, five minutes to set up, bingo. Well, yeah, also worth checking if your device does um, 5 gigahertz or 2.4 gigahertz and try and split them up if you've got a router that's capable of doing uh, both those. Um, I've got I've got a mixture of Wi-Fi and, and home plugs around my house. But of course, you could always, there's another solution, isn't there? You can distribute HDMI over Cat6. So if you really can't get your home, because home plugs won't always work if, you, if your mains aren't up to it. So you can, I think, have you done that, Steve? You've had yeah, we've HDMI distribution. Of, um, HDMI distribution systems. And obviously, if you want something that's going to be, uh, you know, very reliable, robust, and can handle just about anything, then that's the route to go. But there are serious caveats that have to be brought in here. Whereas, whereas if you buy um, some power over Ethernet plugs, they cost buttons. You know, most of the, uh, the, the most of these distribution systems are, are quite expensive. The ones we've reviewed have been, you know, in the sort of thousands of pounds area. And because clearly, they're professional products, that's yeah, why. Yeah, it's a professional it, product, so. and it and it's it's designed to work in a way, you know, it, 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 and they do work really well, I have to say, in terms of you know, both in terms of using IR repeaters and sending the signal over long distances, that sort of thing. It, they're fantastic, and they work really well, but they aren't cheap. And obviously, the big downside to this approach is rather than just plugging something into an existing wall socket and using your existing uh, power power circuit in your house, you have to actually put cables in which means drilling holes in walls and running cables through them and all this sort of stuff. No, it's very invasive in terms of putting it in, unless it's a new build or something or you're doing a, you know, um, some sort of um, reno renovation or something like that. But if you're an existing house and you've got to put it in, there, there's going to be some drilling and there's going to be some making holes and running cables and this sort of stuff, which maybe you don't want to do. And, of course, adds to the cost unless you're doing it yourself. So it's not necessarily the cheapest approach, but it can often be the best approach in terms of reliability and robustness and capabilities um, and also a degree of future-proofing as well. So, Steve, uh, you obviously live in the 14th century. How are you managing? Actually, I've, I've got um, – my house isn't that big, so even though it's old and has thick walls, a bit like, a bit like uh, your place, Phil, um, it's relatively compact. So um, I just use my, my router. It reaches all the rooms, actually. I've got a couple of um, – um, well, actually, not just plug-in ones. So uh, we've reviewed quite a few of these power Ethernet, Ethernet devices, and most of them you, you just plug into an existing wall socket. And some of them have a socket as well, so you don't lose that socket, which is quite handy, because one of the big problems is that if you've got limited wall sockets in your room, you don't want to necessarily lose one of them. Some of them have a, a socket on, on the front of them, so you plug it in, and you can plug something else into that, which is good. What I've got was, was reviewing was ones that actually are like wall sockets. So you replace the whole wall socket. So you have um, still one plug on one side, and on the other side there are four, um, you know, Ethernet ports. Uh, and those definitely are the, in terms of you know, attractiveness, you know, they look really good. <laughs> Looks really professional when you put them in, uh, and they're really easy to do. You know, it's not, you don't have to be an electrician to do it. I, I did it, and I'm. Just remember to turn off all the obviously turn off the mains <laughs> before now, you start second, doing that anything. Is, isn't that a legal? That is a grey area though. If it is a wall socket as well, isn't uh, you know we, we should be on uh, in public at least be acknowledging that that is something that really ought to be done by a certified electrician. electrician. Yeah, it should be. But you know, <laughs> yeah. Personally, I'd always I'd always recommend getting an electrician in to do anything involving the mains. But um, but if you do, I mean, I mean the thing is. They aren't very expensive. I think about hundred quid, but they do look really nice, you know. Instead of having something plugged in, uh, although they are, these devices are getting a lot more discreet over over time. But uh, you know, having it actually built in as a wall socket uh, looks looks quite nice, and, and obviously it's very very handy. I've got an audio file main socket. I'm not making that up. It got, sent, <laughs> it, got, it got sent for review, and because I actually went to the effort, because I wasn't going anywhere near my own mains, I had an electrician put it in, and I simply can't be asked to take it out now. 
So, so yeah, it's got. What does that entail, Ed? Exactly. It's just well, it, it, a it's built like a tank, and then it's they've just made an absurd effort on all the contacts and and everything's <laughs> laid out. I I I I make no claims at all for its efficacy, but it's too much of an effort to remove. So there it is. It just it lives in my well, well, a lot. It's like these uh, these you know um, mains cleaners and and so on. Yes, they work to a certain degree, but one thing that they don't do is improve your black levels, make your motion better, and yeah. and you know add add fifty kilowatts of power to your amplifier. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, thankfully, it's not as bad as as, as back in the analog days where, you know, there was a lot of snake oil, but there was there was some merit to some of the things that you could do with cabling and so on. I mean, nowadays HDMI, it's nice to see that. A lot of companies have stopped the old patter of uh, it'll improve your picture quality in black levels and yeah. colour and all the rest of it and, and just sell them as cables. Um, and I've got to say, I recently bought a whole load of um, uh, online shopping uh, sites, own brand of cables, and uh, absolutely fantastic and cost pennies. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the only thing I'll say these days is that if you're running a long HDMI cable run, a good quality cable can make a difference. And that's fair. As so much as it will work. Yeah, but, but yeah, the difference is the difference is it'll either work or it won't work. There won't be any subtle improvements in pitch quality. And I'm glad to see that certain magazines have also stopped reviewing them for that reason. Right, let's move things on. What have we got coming up for review? And um, uh, where are we in the month? Is is it worth going to Ed at this point or not? I've got one of them in and another one hopefully turning up this week. Uh, as I say, I'm listening to, having you know uh, done my sport earphone review, which is now up for your <laughs> delectation and consumption, I'm uh, back in a slightly more comfort zone, uh, as I say. I did explain this in the last podcast. There's the, it's a less expensive product from the people that made us the £1,000 earphones last year, the Nobles. So uh, that's, that's proving interesting. Um, at the moment and uh then the third of the fourth turntables is turning up presently uh, i'm not going to give too much away about that uh, we, we're taking the jump into four figures now uh and then <laughs> hopefully uh towards the end of the month well i know all of my stuff is towards the end of the month but in terms of logistically <laughs> towards the end of the month uh i hopefully will uh secure a q acoustics 3000 speaker package because nice. let's face it everything else they've done so far has been annoyingly brilliantly good um, and certainly what I, I don't know about Steve, but what I heard at Bristol suggests that they haven't exactly forgotten how to do it either. So I have very high hopes that that's going to be uh, a, a bit of a stormer. After your uh, last conversation on these speakers, I did go and have a look at the website to have a look at the leather versions. Um, the leather it's not cup. bad, actually, yeah, is it? It looks all right, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm going to see if I can get them in that because I'm kinky. <laughs> uh, Mark, what are you working on at the minute? Uh, first up will be the latest in my Android box saga, which will be the uh, Minix X8H. And I've done the X8H Plus. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's very confusing their product range, I have to say. It's basically the only difference is it doesn't do uh, 4K HEVC uh, decoding. Otherwise, it's identical, uh, which is excellent. Uh, I've sat looking at a Samsung j9000 48 inch curved tv i've not had a great deal of chance to watch it i watched a bit of amazon 4k the other night which was all right ish uh um i've got the samsung 4k scaling blu-ray player plugged into that uh with j6500 i believe 
uh, and then uh, just more Android boxes. Interesting. Um, have you had much with the Blu-ray player? Because I'm interested to know if it still does um, a bit of the uh, behind back door noise reduction stuff on there. Uh, I'll be honest, I've done absolutely nothing with the Blu-ray player, but it, okay. it's plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> You've plugged it in, yeah. I've plugged it in, that's as far as it's gone. How much does that Blu-ray player cost more? Not a lot. <laughs> specifically, yeah, would be would be would be the answer to the question. <laughs> I don't know. Roughly, <laughs> forty-nine. Oh, I can see. You, you go, dear listener. This is how well prepared we really are. On I, I, obviously, so we haven't actually loaded it into the product base yet. The product product term. Um, we're off the back of a four-day weekend. What can I? You know, I'm I'm just not. Yeah, yeah. And also, yeah. I'm, I'm on a dust day as well. Oh, so, okay. oh no. Um, so yeah, it'll be oh, interesting. All right. Okay. Actually, there's no price. There's no price available yet. I asked that. <laughs> oh, really. really. It's one of these really early products again. So yeah. The reason I ask is because I've also got a Blu-ray player in for review at the moment, and I was just curious as to how much you're. It comes considerably less than the one you've got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we, I've got. Uh, before you ask me the question, Phil, do you want to ask me the question first? <laughs> <laughs> no. Why don't you shock our listeners? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, last week, uh, Arkham delivered two products for review to me, which is great because we haven't seen any, um, apart from a couple of DAX that um, Ed's done, we haven't really seen any of the Arkham AV stuff for, for a bit of time now. So it was, it was good to get something in. We got the AVR750, which is their flagship seven channel um, AV receiver. Um, I've got to say, compared to a lot of the competition, this is a, it's very much about sound quality and very little else. It's not really all bells and whistles like you'd find on many of the other even cheaper budget stuff that you like the X13100 that you reviewed, Phil, with lots of features on it. This is very stripped down. I mean, the front panel is almost totally bare. There's none of the big input dials and volume control knobs and this sort of stuff. It's all very basic. There's hardly so any so input effect on the front. There's no way to check knob feel. No, can't can't check the knob feel at all. Um, it's just a couple of little buttons. Um, strangely, uh, unusually, there, there's even not even an HDMI input at the front. This sort of stuff. It's just as in it. Um, now you see, uh, I, but that to me makes I I just don't. I I appreciate that there there will be a group of people who are hot plugging something via HDMI in and out of a front socket on an AV receiver, but I don't believe that they're a majority. And I just it's just another thing to either have to cover up. Or hide behind a flap, or some other. It's like I, I'm with Arkham. Well, De- Denon just let it all show, Ed, and I've got to say it, it didn't bother me. Depends on the, how much you're yeah, paying for the higher one. Because Phil, that. you don't have a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the weird thing about the Arkham, Ed, is it's got that kind of strange. It's a design feature which looks like it should be a flap, but isn't. I assume it's an air intake or something. I'm not quite oh, sure looks, what it, look, yeah, it, look, it, look, it looks like. It's yeah, it looks like it looks like a, a tiny off. flap along the bottom, like an edge, basically a lip. Yeah. And I was pushing at it, thinking, is it a flap? I mean, is there an HDMI behind here somewhere? So I'm shoving away, thinking, no, no that is just a design feature. <laughs> and then you broke. So, <laughs> so, so last week Withers was out, outwitted by a cat. This week he's <laughs> unable to determine if something is a hinged door or not. Uh, he's been got. flapped. <laughs> Yeah, so there's no HDMI input on the front or any other um, other than a headphone socket, which makes it. I mean, as you say, I can kind of see the logic behind it. If you're talking about a high quality, um, you know, AV receiver, do you need someone who can plug it? Not necessarily. At the back, there's two out, eight, two HDMI outputs and seven HDMI inputs, which should be enough for most people. So that's fine. Uh, seven channels of amplification, no Atmos, no you know, DTSX, or not that we know what that is yet. Although that will be out on Thursday, so watch watch this space for that one, uh, or no Aura or anything like that. So it's very much your, you know, it's all about. Um, sound quality. It's all about doing music two channel. And, I have a question. Um, point... Sorry, I have a question. Go. On. Does it have an auto EQ system? Yeah, it does. Uh, although it's very basic. Um, 
comes with a little auto EQ mic. Um, when it runs through the system, it just does it from one position. It's not like you're doing multiple positions and this sort of stuff. So it's pretty basic. Uh, it got all the measurements totally wrong for where the speakers were converted to where the microphone was. Um, I think it's in there basically as a sort of last resort. I mean, they, what they would rather you did was you, you set it up correctly. Me measure the distances, measure the levels with an SPL meter, um, position the speakers correctly, carefully position your subwoofer. Um, idea, I mean, because what people tend to forget, I think generally, is you know, EQ systems, they're not, you know, it's not magic. It's not going to fix everything. It, it can improve certain things. But ultimately, the biggest impact on your sound system is going to be the room it's in. So the, the better the room and the better it's installed into the room initially, the more care you take in terms of speaker placement and thinking about where everything's going to be relative to listening position, feeling around you have to do afterwards. And I think yeah, that's there, I, well, which the, is, that, which is fair enough. The other flip of the coin there is that if you set it up correctly to start with, and then you go to EQ. You're given the EQ less to do. It's got less calculations to do. It can be more accurate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like like anything, the more you get right at the beginning, the less you have to do at the end to you know to get it perfect or understanding as good as possible. And their big selling point on this receiver, and it's not a cheap receiver. I'm going to say that up front. It's three and a half grand, three thousand two hundred ninety nine. I think it is currently available at. It's a lot of money for uh, what is a seven channel receiver with none of the new formats or anything like that. You're talking what's pure the, old school. What's the grade amplification on there? It's it's class G. I'll try and do an explanation, uh, a condensed explanation in the review, obviously. Um, but the idea is to get the kind of performance you get from class AB without all the heat that that generates effectively, because you know if you're trying to cram seven channels into an AV receiver chassis. So that's part of it, um, and the idea is that you know they've got it's got um, more power available when it needs it and more transparency. That that's that's the ultimate goal of it. And I have to say, it does sound really good. I'm not. I mean, price aside, with with five point one seven point one channel content and with music, really good with music too. It sounded great. It sounds really good. Whether you think it sounds good enough to justify the cost, that's personal, you know, preference and your own opinion. But um, certainly, um, certainly as an AV receiver. It, it's a really sweet sounding receiver. Very well, good. I've just been encouraging people to spend three grand on a sub, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. I'll, I'll yeah, stay I mean, out we, of the we, we really are the review team of the people here. You yes, know we mean? are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Champagne reviews all round. Uh, well, hang on, I've not finished yet. I don't. The, the, two, the three grand for the receiver, fair enough. But they also delivered their um, universal Blu-ray player. I, I've got to say, actually, I'm going to take umbrage at this. Universal Blu-ray player, not exactly, because it doesn't play uh, DVD audio. It's it's, it's Blu-ray, 3D Blu-ray, uh, DVD, and SACD playback. Now, you could say <laughs> DVD audio is not a great loss, but I kind of feel that, you know, when you look at something like the Oppo, which is genuinely universal in that sense, it's, it's, uh, it's £1,200. Now, uh, that's a lot of money for Blu-ray players, especially since we all know that if you're talking about over HDMI, one Blu-ray player is going to look exactly like another Blu-ray player. Picture-wise, yes, picture-wise. So you're playing what you're paying for here is is audio performance, and it's got balanced XLR outputs. But you know that's going to put it in competition with the Oppo BDP105, which also has a has tank-like construction. This is really light compared to the, it's nowhere near as well constructed as the Oppo. Uh, that also has balanced XLR outputs. You know, I, I, I would be struggling to recommend this at that price point over an Oppo BDP 105, 105 um, and I think it's £899. Still a lot of money for a Blu-ray player, but, you know, it's 400 quid, no, what's that, 300 quid less than the uh, than the Arcam. So that's a very expensive Blu-ray player. I was quite surprised when I saw the price on it. So let's move on. Uh, no games news this week, uh, Mark. Didn't make it through the uh, the Easter <laughs> break and skip. He's alive, isn't he? He's oh, yeah, yeah, he's alive. As far yeah. as I'm aware, he's alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so we're going to pass over games news, uh, but there is a games podcast coming up next week. So uh, if you're waiting on your game and fix, you will get that. So we're going to move on to movie news next and uh, the big Oscar hope for 2015. <laughs> so it feels like uh, a, a while since I've asked this question. Steve, what's at the cinema? Ah, well, this weekend, well, last Friday, in fact, it was Fast and Furious 7. Um, or as it's called in the States, Furious 7, which is slightly confusing. They, they seem to have a, a habit of having different titles for different areas. So uh, in the US, it was Fast 5, but in the UK, it was Fast and Furious 5. Then in the US, it was Fast and Furious 6, but in the UK, it was Furious 6. And now it's Fast and Furious 7 in the UK and Furious 7 in the States. But anyway, went to go and see that. And um, I've got to say, I mean, let, let, let's, let's be honest right up the front here. No one's expecting, um, you know, quality filmmaking well certainly well-made film possibly but no one's expecting it to be you know intelligent filmmaking this everyone knows what to expect from a fast and furious movie now it's going to be big and dumb and fun globe trotting uh, loads of ridiculous stunts um you know totally gravity defying events i mean they drive uh, a high performance car between three buildings at one point at about 50 stories up um you've got uh, jason Statham on board as the villain and a, a pretty good villain he is too but the problem is they've kind of seemed to have combined a number of different plots into one film it's like there's too much story even for one movie in this because they've got the revenge aspects of statham who's the brother of the villain from the sixth film and he's trying to get revenge on uh, and dominic toretto's team whilst at the same time there's also a MacGuffin where they're looking for this uh, device called god's eye which is a you know some hackers created which can basically hack into every camera on the planet simultaneously and find someone within about 10 seconds and they're going to use this MacGuffin to find uh, jason Jason's character before he um you know gets kills them basically although he keeps popping up anyway so i think just wait for the turn up would have been a better plan but um that's what's going on in it but it's, it's just there'd be, there was ludicrous amounts of action it's thoroughly enjoyable i felt um they did a really good job, I have to say, of um, dealing with Paul Walker's untimely death because obviously they hadn't finished shooting the film when he died. They were about half through production. So they've rewritten it to a degree uh, and they used his brothers and other body doubles, stunt doubles and, and then CG to finish his performance. And it's not noticeable. Certainly, I didn't sit there thinking that isn't Paul Walker. I mean, it seemed really, I mean, you could see a few times when he thought, well, he has a microphone over his mouth a lot, which presumably helped with lip syncing and that sort of stuff. And where they use bits maybe from... Uh, outtakes some other films and this sort of stuff to help finish things off but it's pretty seamless and it works really well and the ending i have to say the ending is is a really sweet um um you know sort of tribute to paul walker and um you know, i'm not i'm mad enough to admit it i, I there was a tear I, I i shed a tear at the end of the film um it's yeah it's it's obviously it's been a gigantic hit it's made 384 million in its opening weekend worldwide which is i think i think seventh or eighth in the record books it's really good i mean a massive massive opening it made more on its opening day in the u.s than the fast and furious tokyo drift mate in its entire u.s run yeah I but, mean, just... but steve you know we're talking about a major holiday in the uk and the u.s what else was it up against no no everyone was avoiding it but it's going to be it looks like it's on track to be the first universal film to breach a billion dollars in its initial run um uh, and that's you know impressive. I mean, like like we've been saying for a long time, you know, it's not very often that a franchise gets progressively more and more successful as it moves on, rather than the other way around. I'm glad you said successful and not better. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, well I don't say it's. I I think there's no question that you know if anyone can remember the original Fast and Furious movie, it was basically just a knockoff of Point Break with cars. 
Um, moderately successful. Too Fast, Too Furious was more of the same, but without Vin Diesel. Um, the Tokyo Drift had none of the original characters in it and took place in, in Tokyo, as the name might suggest. Um, although the character from Tokyo Drift does appear in the, in the seventh film, which is good. It ties everything together. Uh, the, but it was with Fast and Fu- the, was called the Fa- Fast and Furious, which was the fourth movie, rather confusingly, where they brought back all the original characters and rebooted it, basically. Uh, and that sort of set it on its new direction. And then the big change came at Fast Five, where they brought in The Rock. Um, and, and, and it became basically a heist movie, uh, you know, a globetrotting heist movie, action-packed. And that was that's when it suddenly just took off in terms of its appeal and popularity. And they've just basically been doing that, ramping up the action with each successive film. Um, so you know, in the sixth one, you had them chasing the world's biggest plane and the world's longest runway. Uh, in this one, you've got um, you know, The Rock basically getting out of his hospital bed where he's been put in hospital by Jason Statham and then going to his daughter's day. He's got work to do and just flexes his muscles and his plaster cast breaks off his arm. And then he's walking down the street carrying a minigun and firing a helicopter. It's just awesome. It's just, you know, it's everything you could possibly want, really. It's quite uh, funny. There was a, I can't remember which uh, online publication it was. It might have been Consequence of Sound. It might. I'll, I'll try and dig it out for the comments section of the podcast. Um, they made one of their reporters who'd never seen any of, any of them sit down and watch all of the first six back to back and his live commentary was brilliant because at first he sort of hated it and by the end it's like i just can't wait to watch the next one and i don't actually know what's wrong with me well you see i haven't seen any of these fast and furious films never sort of appealed to me uh but i was on amazon and uh, they're on there for 20 something quid for all six on Blu-ray. Get, yeah. in there, get in there, Phil, and then get marathon it. <laughs> marathon I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to throw te, uh, 20 quid away, so I'll, I might Probably, get it. Trust me, you'll, you'll, by the end of it, you'll be, you know, I don't, may, maybe it's Stockholm Syndrome, but by the end of it, you'll just be, <laughs> you'll just be you know, you'll just be loving it. And, you know, the, the sight of, you know, the idea of just one film containing, you know, The Rock, Jason Statham, and Kurt Russell is enough in itself to make it worth seeing, I think. Uh, it's just, it's just such good fun. I mean, it's, I mean, they know it's ludicrous. No one, no one has any, you know. Not to mention yeah. there is ludicrous in it as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, and Chris ludicrous Bridges is also in it as a character. Um, yeah, everyone's got their tongue so firmly into their cheek it's coming out the other side of their cheek. Now that's the point. But hell, you know, it's fun and it's entertaining and it's ridiculous. And and sometimes you just want to go to the movies and be entertained for a couple of hours, don't you? And and that's what this does. It does it with in spades. It does it really well. Um, and it even manages to be genuinely quite moving at the end, um, the way they, they deal with the whole Paul Walker issue. Um, I thought was quite sweet. And uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, I thoroughly recommend it. If you're a fan of the, of the series, clearly you're going to go and see it. You know, anyone who's a fan of the franchise must go and see it because I really enjoy it. Um, if, if you're just a fan of having, you know, a fun couple of hours at the movies, it does really help if you have seen it because they, they do have sort of a very convoluted, um, you know, a chronology <laughs> going on here. Um, it kind of helps if you do know what's going on a little bit. But um, the way they introduce Statham's character at the beginning is fantastic, I have to say. Really clever and very funny. Um, some of the some of the stunt stuff is really impressive too. I mean, obviously, love it CG, but some of it's very impressive. Half of it is that I mean, I, when the first one came out, and I think I'd been driving for six months, and now we're seven in, and it's like I own a people carrier. I mean, it's in itself quite <laughs> <laughs> quite disappointing. But yeah, I, they they you know we're, we're getting on for sort of bonds levels of of just being a an overarching part of your of your existence really they've just been around for so long it's yeah. peculiar okay uh the, the lone voice here that hasn't said a word yet but has been listening 
I know has been listening intently yeah, shaking, to this. Shaking co- my head. Just <laughs> yeah. The whole thing, really. Uh, the original, funnily enough, was on ITV2 last night, and I happened to walk into the room, and I, um, um, Jenny had left, uh, left that channel on. I don't know what she was watching. And I sat down, and I watched 15, 20 minutes, and that was enough. It was awful. Just, just dreadful. The first uh, one is pretty dreadful. Yeah, well, yeah, well that just puts me off. just think. No, you can't talk about it. You can't talk me around. I think it's gone too far now as well. There's too many to catch up with. I'll never watch six bloody movies before before watching the, the latest one. If, if it's a convoluted story that takes some work to get back into, I've just got no chance. It's a no. It's a big no <laughs> It's me. a no from you. <laughs> I'm out. It's, it's funny. The um the 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 first uh, ironically the first one I think uh, uh, it, things actually go downhill for the second one if that is possible. <sighs> um. Tokyo Drifter is a, is a funny is a funny fish, uh, because but for you know literally a blink and you'll miss it cameo from Vin Diesel at the end, which didn't he do to get the Riddick film back or something? Yeah, something like that. Was something he was he was he was all out, and then they pulled him back in again. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it blink, and then as I say, it's only then through the curious attack on time logic. And you know, well, the problem was space. is because the Han character was really popular, and there was the one popular thing in Tokyo Drift was the character of Han. But uh, a bit of a spoiler here, but he, he dies at the end of Tokyo Drift, and that meant if they wanted oh, to have him Jesus in this film, Christ. actually, I just changed. Well, I know I decided I was going to watch it, but now you've just completely ruined it for me. Again. Well, so in order to have him well, in I'm going to throw twenty quid away now. They had to set all the other films they made after Tokyo Drift before Tokyo Drift to explain why he was still alive, and it's only. It's only now in the seventh film that it's now set after Tokyo Drift. So that's what I mean by convoluted chronology here. It's, it's all a bit, um, the timeline is a bit over the shop. Um, oh, they do. I thought they did quite cleverly tied everything in with Tokyo Drift at the end of the sixth film in a really funny, interesting, you know, which is how they introduced State Chase and Statham's character. It's, it's, it, I think it worked really well. Even if it, it doesn't make a lick of sense, but, uh, but who cares? Uh, it's great. Go and see it. You know you want to. And, and the rock. Actually, the rock wasn't in it as much as I liked. I have to say, my one complaint was Did not enough. Rock. That's because you wanted him in all the time. If it was just two hours of oiled rock, you'd have been a fan. Well, he's in it at the beginning, and he has this massive punch up with Jason Nathan, which is absolutely brilliant. I mean, the two of them beating seven bells out of each other, um, and then he's kind of hospitalised for most of the film, and then he comes back at the end with a mini gun, and it's awesome. But uh, yeah, there's also a great fight between Vin Diesel and Jason Statham with basically with massive spanners and sledgehammers, which is up there with the fight at the end of Streets of Fire for ludicrous, you know, way of having a fight. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you get the link that I sent you with him uh, lip syncing to Miley Cyrus? Yes, I did. Thank you. Yes. Look, he's a very charismatic man. I, I think he's you know I'm not saying he's a great actor. Obviously, he's not a great actor, but but when he's doing what he does best, there's no one better other than The Rock. And uh, in these kind in this kind of film, he is great. I he's had just more. Fun. He's got a downside more charisma than Vin Diesel, who I've got to say is a really charisma free zone in my opinion. Do you know what? Sorry, I'm sending a link. I found a photo. I, there's a, a, a particular Reddit called Old School Cool. It's just got some just photo historical photos, many of which are, are properly cool. This one isn't cool, but it is quite. It's a photo of The Rock's dad. <laughs> uh, and it's it. like bloody hell. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just waiting on it loading. Give me a yeah. sec. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hell of a moustache. 
It is, isn't it? That's old school. That's 70s porn, really. Okay, you, you need to remember to post the, the link to this, Ed, on the podcast. Are you sure that can't be the podcast cover? Is it probably not big enough, is it? Uh, it yeah, it's a wrong ratio. That's my excuse. Fair it's enough. like a pumped-up John Conte. I, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't tell him that to his face. <laughs> Stunned silence. Well, anyway, yeah. Anyway, uh, other films that came out, uh, which have been covered by the review team this weekend, were uh, briefly, Steve. Well, while we while we're young, which it was a comedy with Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts, where they're basically um, some middle aged couple who end up becoming friends with a young hipster couple, played by Amanda Seyfried and Adam Driver. You know, and you know they kind of realise they're getting old and they you know, they're doing all these various things to try and feel young again. Uh, it was certainly well received by our reviewer Sharuna, and uh, yeah, it looks like a quite an interesting and funny movie actually. Um, and the other film coming out is The Water Diviner, which was is directed by and stars Russell Crowe. Again, uh, Cassandra reviewed that; she thought it was great. Um, I think she gave it eight out of ten, and it has had good reviews all around. It looks like um, a quite an interesting film where a, a father, Australian father, goes to Gallipoli in order to find his dead son's bodies. Finds more than more than um, perhaps he, he thought he'd find. Don't try and get too much away there, really. But uh, uh, apparently, it's very uh, even-handed in its dealings with um, with Islam uh, and, and the Muslim Turks and everything. And uh, it looks like a really good film, actually. I, I'm quite tempted to go and see that based upon uh, Cassandra's review. Yeah, there was Cassandra's review and also the comments um, and mm. the review. Uh, I don't think there was any bad comments in there, which is like, right. all right, okay, must be worth going to see. Uh, so this Friday, um, keeping the, uh, the 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 quality end of things up, what do we have coming uh, to the cinema yeah. on Friday? Yeah. If you want a weekend for some not so great movies, this is the weekend for it. This is the weekend to hot, tidy up the garden. <laughs> this is the weekend to not go to the cinema. Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Um, now, I've seen Hot Tub Time Machine. Has anybody else seen the original? Yes, I have now. Do you know what? I don't hate it. No, I quite enjoyed it. It's quite funny. I, I like John Cusack. I, I, I think he's, he's a very, again, a very charismatic guy. This does not star John Cusack. He's not in the sequel because it was so bad. Even John Cusack said no, um, and it has had terrible, terrible reviews in the states, where it's apparently it's absolute cobblers. Um, but that's the sequel. And and by the way, in case you're wondering, yes, there's a hot tub, and it's also a time machine. In case, but only in contact with a, well, I mean, in contact you, with a Russian energy drink. Well, you know, you say that you say that, Steve, but the. Uh, in Back to the Future, it it was never a DeLorean. It was always a, a freezer, a fridge freezer. The original, the original story. time machine was going yeah, to be yeah. a fridge freezer, and had to change it because they had, they thought they were they were going to have loads of deaths on their hands with kids climbing into the freezer trying to go back in time. Also, it wasn't they realised that a freezer wasn't particularly mobile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tricky. Uh, that anyway. So you've got Hot to Time Machine Two coming out if you fancy going to see that, uh, and also uh, even worse. Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. I've never even a, heard of Paul Blart, Mall Cop 1. I have. It's, um, I've heard of the original film. I have not seen the original film. I have to put it stress. Uh, it was moderately successful. It's got that... Uh, oh, God, hang on. What's this guy's name? It's really annoying. Bugger. There's the chap from... Um, Kevin something, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, they were in... Oh, God. I kind of <laughs> blanked it from my mind. Um, Kevin something from Oh, God. It was... It's, <laughs> Christ. I had that really annoying also. Yeah, it's then. Kevin James, that's right. Um, yeah, it stars Kevin James. The King of Queens. That's yes. the puppy. Kevin James from The King of Queens. Uh, and, yeah, it looked awful the first time round. I'm guessing it hasn't got better second time round. 
Uh, although maybe unless it's pulling a Fast and Furious and gradually getting better with each sequel. <laughs> but uh, I suspect not. Again, it's had terrible reviews. Um, so two stinkers coming out this weekend. Luckily, not all is lost this weekend. There's also Good Kill, which is directed by Andrew Nichol and stars Ethan Hawke, where he plays a drone pilot, which actually does look interesting. And if I get to go to the cinema this weekend, that's the one I'm going to go and see. And uh, what are we covering on this site? Um, this week, then are we, are we sending reviewers out to Hot Tub it and blow oh, it? I think I think we we decided to take pity on them. I think there are there are presumably working practice regulations yeah. that we have to abide. <laughs> Cruel, to. unusual punishment. To be honest, I think we definitely would fall foul of some EU regulations if we sent anyone to go and see those two films. Mm-hmm. We will review Good Kill, which I think people would be interested in seeing. The other two, well, on your head be it if you go and see those two. Okay, uh, we got some Blu-ray reviews going up, and for the first time ever, I've actually seen one of them before the review goes up. What have you seen, Interstellar? Interstellar. It blew my mind, literally. Did, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it up until the point of uh, major spoiler. I'm not going to go into it in the podcast, but um, three quarters of the way through, uh, thought it was doing all right, and then it just kind of went a bit silly for me. Did you watch it the weekend? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, how did you find the aspect ratio changes? I put up with it. Yeah. I, I set it for two, three, five, and I just put up with it. It didn't do it too often, to be honest. So um, I just put up with it. I haven't actually got around to watching the. I had a look. I looked at a bit of the disc at the weekend, uh, and in terms of picture quality and sound quality, it is oh, really absolutely good. stunning. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. yeah. And there's some really good documents. There's some excellent stuff about the making of the film. Although, annoyingly, they haven't included a play-all feature, so you have to sort of go through each feature individually, which takes plenty of ages. But it does go into some detail on how they shot it, how they did things like the CG. How they, they actually used the full-sized, not models, the actual full-sized sets. You know, They built some of the spaceships in full-size and then shot them for the effect sequences. So it's not even models or CG, it's full-size thing, and then adding in the space sequences. And also they were using um, projectors, and you know, digital projectors, to project stuff footage outside the window so it's, that's all being shot in camera um it, it looks and sounds amazing it's got um although it's got a really annoying score that bloody ha- church organ gets so annoying after two and a half hours of it it's got some interesting ideas it takes too long to get into space a lot of it doesn't make well, see, I, I, I didn't think it took that long i was i i'd, I'd heard that um, it took a little while to get going, so maybe I was just pre-warned, and and that's mm. why I I just let it drift over me and and got into the movie. For me, three quarters of the way through, um, they maybe should have ended it there. I think they went for the Hollywood ending, if you know what I mean, and yeah. it didn't. It just did, did not pay off. With with the tone of the rest of the movie, it didn't pay off. They also made some at one point. You know, these these highly trained intelligent astronauts do some, make some really dumb decisions. It's like there's a whole point where one of the planets is near a black hole. So because of gravity dilation, the long you know, every hour on this planet is equivalent to seven hours on Earth. So I'm thinking, don't go to that planet then, because this is a race against time to save Earth. <laughs> Spending every hour you spend on this planet is seven hours on Earth. I think maybe find another planet to go and look was at. Was it not years? Alternatives. Yeah, every hour was seven years on Earth, and there's two other planets they could go and investigate. I'm thinking, go and check out the other two planets. <laughs> I do love that but, meme that's doing the rounds with. Um... McConaughey and uh, um, Hathaway's character. It's like, uh, and they're saying, yeah, every hour here is seven hour, uh, seven years on Earth. It's like, good, we'll wait for the new Tool album here. <laughs> There's a very, very funny, honest trailer um, on Screen Junkies. Don't watch it till you've seen the film, but once you've seen the film, watch it. They absolutely nail all the problems with the film, very in, in a very humorous way. Yeah, I, really I mean, I, I, I think once the once the um, 
I don't want to give away any spoilers on this, but I think once once they they landed on a certain planet with Matt Damon, um, <laughs> it should have ended at that point. I think I think they, they they went for a big payoff and it didn't work. Well, I mean, they had to in a sense, didn't they, Phil? Because it obviously ties in with the beginning. Um, that there are reasons why that. But yeah, I mean, what they were they were trying to cram. It, yeah, what it was, it was actually two different screenplays. So there was an initial screenplay by Jonathan Nolan, which was more interested in the whole idea of the Dust Bowl, which is obviously true from the 30s. You know, he's taken that, what really happened in the 30s, and kind of extrapolated it into a sort of science fiction genre of, you know, a, a, a blight on prop, crops and Dust Bowl, etc. and the world, the world almost, you know, dying out effectively. And his brother came along with the idea, you know, okay, so the planet's dying, let's get it off the planet and find somewhere else to live. And then t- bringing all these theories in from Kit Thorne about, you know, wormholes and black holes, etc. And that's all great but he's trying to they're trying to cram so much into one film and trying to have their cake and eat it at every opportunity that you end up with cake all over your face and and i i think by the end of that film no 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 cake all over his face can we stop talking about cake (laughs) oh i had a lovely piece of lovely piece of of coffee cake before we podcast yeah but but you see i I just think steve that you know the the whole way that the the whole tone of the film was was pretty depressive up until that point and i think he (laughs) It just suddenly went for the Hollywood ending, which didn't make any sense whatsoever. And, and I was swearing at it, to be honest. And there's, and there's, there's no very just o- an angry man. Yeah, there's no. It's not very often that I, I shout at my projection screen, but I was at that. I was thinking, oh, f- off. Did you hurl food at it? No, yeah. food. No, food's too valuable, Ed. <laughs> Fair play. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's Interstellar, which is out. It came out um, last week. Uh, at, has it done the review, but I think his disc was late coming in, which is why he hasn't finished it yet. But, and obviously, he's just got in the way, but he's doing that. Yeah, it's, but it's a good disc. I mean, I could certainly say from my own experiences, and I'm sure yours too, it's a great looking and sounding disc, and it's got um, some very interesting extras on it. So, if you are either a fan of the film or interested, it's worth getting. Some of the most um, realistic sound effects, I think, of, of uh, a rocket taking off and then hitting the atmosphere, uh, getting through the atmosphere and hitting space, and the, mm. the sound mix is just fantastic fantastic and if you've got a dynamic system just the way that it dynamically changes so quickly as well um i thought that was really well done i actually thought there was things in my room about to fall off the fall <laughs> off the shelves and so on but it was just the way it, you know the same although um that's one of the big problems with the film is that they have this big rocket launch like deliberately done to invoke you know evoke uh, memories of apollo and this sort of stuff and it's but you know if they had to do that to get off the ground on earth what they're doing with that little spaceship later Totally impossible yep. on a planet. <laughs> it's like they can't, again, trying to have their cake and eat it. They should have either had spaceships that could take off from planets really easily, or they had to find another way of getting back off the planet. But they try and do both. It's just, the film's unfortunately riddled with ludicrous. Um, yeah, and and, uh, and the majority of the time, you know, once you once once you've you know given a movie an hour and a bit to 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 work itself on you, you're prepared to to go with some stuff, but the. No, I ended yeah. up shouting at the screen. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I, I just get annoyed when a film sets itself up, you know, we're scientifically accurate. Okay, a bit like Gravity and also Sunshine, both of those other films as well, made a big point of how much how scientifically accurate they were. Well, if you're going to say that, you better damn well be scientifically accurate. And the fact is that these films rarely actually are. They obviously always, eventually, narrative and, uh, t- you know, c- trumps science every time. You know, if it, if it works for the story sod the scientific accuracy and that's what generally happens you look at gravity yeah yes they did some things very accurately in terms of the way people behave and you know stuff like the, the lack of gravity the lack of gravity and the lack of sound in space like that was done really well but you know when she takes a spacesuit off in about five seconds with nothing underneath it no cooling suit nothing you're thinking like mm. <laughs> clearly 
reality went straight out the window there. Yeah, but you don't want to sit for 25 minutes while the takeoff. Someone takes a space. No, that's what I mean. But clearly, narratively, it didn't make sense to spend half an hour for a taking off a space. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, so other Blu-rays that are coming out. I think we better move away from Interstellar. Otherwise, we're, we're going to spoil it for people that haven't seen it. And it is an experience that you have to sit through, whether you enjoy it or not, is another thing. Uh, Predestination. Are we there yet? Uh, yeah. If you if you haven't seen Predestination, and it is a great film, I recommend it highly. Do not buy the UK release. Uh, it is uh, reformatted in 1.78 to 1 instead of 2.4 to 1, which was what it was actually theatrically presented at. And it has none of the extras that are on the Sony release, which is available. You can buy for £2 more from Amazon. From It's the Nordic release, basically, which is also done by Sony. Uh, so for the extra two quid, go and buy the Region B. Um, yeah, but the, the, the Nordic movies. one, it'll just be raining all the time and it'll be, <laughs> it'll be grey scenes and bridges. It's exactly the same Exactly the same as the US. It's got all the same extras. It's got the same soundtracks and everything English and it's got this correct aspect ratio. But yeah, don't touch the UK release with a barge pole because uh, and this is a bit of a worrying trend. I've seen it a few times now where particularly films being reformatted to 1.78 to 1 when they were shot, well, not, they weren't shot um, anamorphically, but they've been shot framed for a scope ratio in, in camera, you know, using digital cameras, and they've been opened up, the mat's been opened up at top and bottom, which is a worrying trend that I thought we'd moved away from um, over the last few years. Uh, so vote with your wallets and do buy that version. And the other film coming out this week is, is not a new film, it's Desperado, but um, it's a still book release, uh, I think it's a Zabby exclusive, and it's never been available on Blu-ray before in this country. So if you're a still book fan or a Desperado fan, it's worth searching out for. Okay, and is there any fantastic Blu-rays uh, that I can look forward to next week? Yeah, well, there's two out next week. One's Black Sea, um, which is a thriller set on a submarine with, uh, with um, what's his name? Jude Law, yeah. with Jude Law. Um, and Kevin MacDonald's directing it. He made, he made a couple of things like The Last King of Scotland and some other interesting movies. Uh, it looked quite good. It looked interesting in the trailers. I have not seen it myself. But um, but it looked interesting in trailers, and uh, Kaz is reviewing that, and I'm reviewing Night at the Museum Three, uh, which I think one of one of um, Robin Williams's last for movies. Uh, obviously, if you've seen Night at the Museum or Night at the Museum Two, you'll know what to. I think this one's set in a museum in England, though, so it's got a bit of an English slant to it. But that's coming out next week. That'll also be a competition prize as well. Okay, so uh, that's the uh, cinema and Blu-rays all wrapped up for this week and next. Um, and got to say, I'm buying more Blu-rays than I have in a long time, Steve. Um, don't know why. Just suddenly got back in the habit of buying them again. And uh, interesting soundtracks. I watched uh, this. This will tell you how far back I am. Um, the most recent movie I watched, apart from Interstellar, was Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, again, another fantastic soundtrack. Really good. Really good when you got several different sets of speakers to try it on as well. Been, mm. It's been interesting that way. And yeah, really good. Okay, so we had a question from Amard1981. Uh, he asks, do you still consider yourself movie fans or are you disillusioned with modern movies? Or to put it another way, what was the last film that you saw that you loved and would watch again? Um, I'll answer this one. I'm not disillusioned. I just think there's not a lot of originality around at the minute. Not a lot of stuff that's actually making me want to go to the cinema. And then when you get... Uh, what should be an epic film like Interstellar and you end up shouting at it three quarters of the way through, that that's where the disillusion comes in for me, I think. On the other flip side, uh, last film that I saw that I have watched a number of times since I originally saw it was Skyfall. I don't think there's been anything else where I've actually gone out my way to watch it again a couple of times. Uh, the last one would be Skyfall. Uh, Hodge? 
Um, disillusioned slightly, I guess. Too many superheroes, too many sequels. Uh, like you say, too much derivative stuff for me. I, I, I get more excited about the kids getting excited for the movies these days. So we go, you know, we, that's mainly what I'll go to the cinema for now. In fact, almost exclusively what I'll go to the cinema. In terms of my own life, watching movies at home, time is such when you've got two young kids that I end up picking something generally on running time first <laughs> rather than how good it is. So if I've got I'll have an hour and a half to myself at the end of the night, if I'm lucky. So I'll try and squeeze a movie in now and again like that. Um, <laughs> Paul yeah. Black or Cop 2. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, that, I think the last movie I really, really enjoyed was probably the Grand Budapest Hotel. I absolutely love that. Whether I'd watch it again on the hurry, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really one for... For doing that so much anymore i think uh when i was a younger i think i watched airplane about 20 times <laughs> uh, <laughs> i probably knew that word for word as a kid uh but yeah uh, dis- yeah slightly disillusioned there, are, there is still stuff good stuff like that edge of tomorrow was really good i really enjoyed that i enjoyed gravity for what it was um i, I, just, I don't watch them with anything like the regularity i used to i used to be a frequent cinema visitor but yeah i'm just getting old i guess old and a lack of time and, and too many too many sequels and too much Fast and Furious nonsense. <laughs> uh, Ed? I think with the proviso, I've never been... Film has always, always, for as long as I can remember, been secondary to music for me. So I don't... Uh, I don't perhaps get as annoyed about a lack of originality and neither do I revisit things with quite the same enthusiasm that I, I guess some other people do i I don't know it's a funny one i too haven't watched that many really recent release i mean the problem is when i do buy recent release release it's because i'm buying something which is quite loud um or well mixed or at least has some sort of worth for review purposes it's rare that i buy something because i genuinely think oh gosh i want to sit down and watch that i mean an interesting instance of of actually managing to sort of kill two birds with one stone I thought that Fury um, was one of the first films I've watched in a while where, although I kind of I sensed what the ending was likely to be, the process by which it got there was a little bit different. I actually I, I thought that, that was, 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 was quite a tidy piece of filmmaking. But no, I, 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 I think the thing is, for, for as long as... Um, there's a lot of really interesting and varied stuff being released for me to listen to. I'm far less concerned by whether if the the film industry is having a dry spell. So I I, I guess I sort of I, I I in many ways disqualify myself from this in so much as the, the levels of passion I've been able to to motor, to actually source have always been at just that little bit lower. I guess. Um, do I still consider myself a movie fan? Absolutely. My disillusion with modern movies, to a degree, I, I think. More, more often than not, I'm disappointed with a lot of films I get excited about. And then when I get to see them at cinema, Interstellar being a good example, a film that I've been looking forward to for a long time. And then when I actually saw it, was bitterly disappointed by the end. And that unfortunately happens more often than not. Um, so what was was such a joy that on, on Friday, watching Fast and Furious 7, I wasn't disappointed in any way, shape or form and thoroughly enjoyed it. So great. In terms of recent films that I've seen that, um, the, I mean, I'm not unlike Mark, I, I, I'm not too disappointed. Cons- Concerned by the you know the slew of superhero movies, a lot of the stuff I saw last year that I really enjoyed was super. I mean, I thought Captain America: Winter Soldier was excellent. I really thoroughly enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, you see some of the sm- smaller budget movies that are quite. I mean, we've been talking about earlier, Predestination. The film itself is is a really interesting movie. I really really enjoyed it. A uh, great time travel thriller. Um, so there's good stuff around. 
but the big budget stuff, because they have to play it so safe, because they try to hit the largest demographic possible, because there's so much product placement and um, financing from all over the world and trying to pander to the Pacific market. So you get, uh, you know, pandering to the Chinese market or pandering to the Indian market or whatever, the, you know, whatever it is where they think they're going to make money. That, 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 that kind of that diminishes their value, which is why I found myself more and more being drawn towards television, because on TV, at least, there's still a degree of freedom and creativity that we're not finding in, in the movies so much, particularly when the budgets are large. Uh, and as, as Mark pointed out, you're getting a lot of sequels and reboots and prequels and you know remakes because it seems as if no one's got any imagination left anymore. Um, and that is a bit of a concern. There haven't been that. I mean, I'm trying to think of the last really big budget, totally original. And I think maybe in Inception. Uh, certainly I'm trying to think what we've had recently, or maybe Interstellar, I suppose, in terms of big budget movies that were original and, and took some risks. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's going to take a director of, the clout of Christopher Nolan to be able to do that these days. I think most directors now probably find the studios will be, you know, on their backs the whole time. And you know, what about this? And what about that? And can we hit enough of the Chinese market? And what about the 14 year olds? And is this demographic going to be covered? And we need a PG 13 rating, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it is, it is diminishing the creativity in the film industry, unfortunately. Um, but having said that, this is this year, we've got some great stuff coming out. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to Mad Max Fury Road, which is out in May. Um, I'm looking forward to Avengers Age of Ultron, which is out at the end of this month. I'm looking forward to Jurassic World in, in the summer. Uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, what else have we got out? Um, I Spectra. liked some of their Easter egg promo stuff over this weekend. Have you seen that? Jurassic I, I, World? Yes. They I have were, not seen them, no. They, were, they just sort of cropped up as promo things on twitter and so on and so forth i thought that was don't get me wrong i don't think it's going to have any bearing on the film whatsoever but i, th- I thought it was a, 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 just a, a clever tie in an opportunity thing if nothing else whilst originality in films appears to be you know on its up as originality in marketing them is uh, is, is doing quite well so yeah um actually some, actually some good telly on them um uh I, I mean i know that uh mr hodgkinson has m- moved considerably on from this by using other means of watching television but person of interest has finally lurched into season of three season three on channel five i'm probably the only person that didn't get so frustrated at waiting that they found other means to watch it but i had other things to be getting on with um and uh, i i love master chef i'm i make no bones about it i, I find it thoroughly <laughs> thoroughly entertaining and relaxing viewing it's, I enjoy watching Thunderbirds are go on Saturday on ITV. No, you see, I, caught, I surprisingly good. <laughs> it tried to get too much done in the first episode. Yeah, but no, um, you know, and I'm, I'm afraid it doesn't. Also, that in not changing the Thunderbirds, this means that Thunderbird One still looks like a toilet roll holder, and I don't care what anyone says. It's not. It's just not a good looking thing. Thunderbird Two's the bollocks, but Thunderbird One looks shit. Yeah, and it's been updated in quite quite cleverly, actually. Uh, uh, but but retaining all the joy and fun of the original series. Um, so I was quite pleased to see that. I'm really looking forward to Friday Netflix. You get the whole of Daredevil, the new Marvel slash Netflix series. Um, part of Marvel's, I mean, having already changed the game as far as movies go with that whole series of movies leading up to the Avengers, etc. They're now going to do exactly the same thing with TV. They're taking their minor characters like Daredevil and some of the people you may not have ever heard of even. And they're going to do small Still within the same universe, but small, grittier, more adult-orientated um, shows. Um, and I think they've got five different series lined up, and they're leading into another series called The Defenders. So um, I'll be interested to see how that plays out, uh, and that's on Friday, if anyone's interested. And it's the uh, last last episode of Fortitude on Sky Atlantic this week as well. It concludes yes, this week. Very, very, have you been watching? Did you watch any of those? No, I haven't watched I've, I've been waiting so I can block-watch them all in one go. Very peculiar. 
I have a sneaking suspicion it has at least two writers who hate each other and they've <laughs> oscillated wildly between what they want it to be. And one of them has sort of won out towards the end, either by hitting the other one over the head with a script or something. But it's 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 gone all over the place. But I will I'm eternally grateful for it simply because it's introduced me to uh, one of the actresses in it, Mia Jackson, who just is just wonderful, just mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful person in every way. <laughs> it's the last episode of Better Call Saul today. Um, if you haven't, oh, this is on the Tuesday that we're recording this podcast. So if you haven't seen that series yet, it's really good. Been getting better each week, hasn't it, Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's turned out a lot better than I thought it would. I was kind of worried for it being, you know, the spin-off of Breaking Bad that it was and that he wasn't going to be enough to carry it, but he's been more than enough. And along with Mike, uh, it's been it's been a joy, really. It's just getting better and better. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and obviously, as we mentioned earlier, uh, next Monday, first episode of season five of Game of Thrones, which, based upon the trailer at least, looks like it's going to be awesome. And if it's classic movies that you're looking for this week, uh, I've just been having a look at the listings. Um, absolute classic. Uh, showing on in Channel 4 HD, uh, 6.40 on Saturday, Independence Day. Oh, splendid. Although, if you don't own that on a disc, what's wrong with you? Come on. Welcome to Earth. And and proof that... That's what all, I call a close encounter. And proof that, that, that Steve Jobs was an alien because all alien technology runs on iOS. Or OS X. Or OS X. Wasn't that a particularly terrible MacBook, that generation as well? <laughs> I don't know. It's a little before my time. Anyway, but... I think I think we're, uh, we're wildly off subject now, and uh, I think we've outstayed our welcome. <laughs> well, didn't we? I think that, that usually happens in five minutes, 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 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So my thanks to Mark Hodgkinson. When I win here, I'll buy you a lifetime supply of antidepressants. Ed Selly. Uh God isn't my worry. And Steve Withers. I thought cockfights were illegal in Rio. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. And why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next Wednesday. Wednesday.